The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Let's bow our heads and pray. We're going to jump in the Word, and uh, I just, I'm excited about today's Word. I think that uh, God's going to touch some hearts today. I know He's been touching mine as I've been studying His Word. So, Father, thank You, Lord, that Your Word is alive. God, as You say, it is sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to divide, Lord, between the soul and the marrow, God, to be able to actually open us up and get to the areas that You want to get to. God, we pray that You do that in our heart today. Lord, cut out anything that doesn't belong, and Lord, bring healing to things, God, that need to be restored, and Lord, add whatever you want to add into our lives and into our heart. Let it fall on good soil. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're talking about inflation today, um, so we're going to have a little economics lesson. Who's excited about that? Woo! Um, so number one, uh, milk used to be a dollar ninety-nine or something like that. What is milk now? Anybody want to throw it out there? 413, what brand? If you buy the right kind and it's two days expired, I think it's only 374, but I'm not saying do it, but it's possible. Uh, eggs, how much were eggs uh, a few years ago? Maybe like a buck something for a dozen? How much is eggs now? For a dozen. People are like, we don't buy them by the dozen anymore. We buy single eggs. We just go in and get an egg. That's what we do now. We bring it home. So things are changing. Gas was like a buck something, a buck 79 at one point just a few years ago. And it's like, depends on where you go, three something now, right? So doesn't that make life easier? I mean, think about before inflation. Think about the fact that you used to have to think about what to do with your money. <laughs> now you don't have to think about it because the world decides it. Like your money's gone before you get to even start thinking about what to do with it. How much more peaceful is that? It's not even a stress. It's not something to worry about. It's already taken care of. Like I opened up my, I deposited my check. I opened up my account. And guess what? All the auto debits, it's already gone. <laughs> I don't ever worry about money now. Praise the Lord. Does everyone feel encouraged today? Lift it up and built up. All right. Bow your heads. We're done. No, we're going to dive in farther than that. That's inflation. So here's, here's a, here is the economic definition in economics, inflation means a general increase in prices and a fall in the purchasing value of money. Prices have gone up. It means that your money can no longer purchase the same amount, right? Okay, so that's what happens. I got the same amount of money, but I can't buy the same amount of stuff. Okay, who's experienced that and feels that? You feel the pain of that, some of the suffering of that, okay, some of the difficulty of that. Most of us have, okay? Life has a way of doing that. Sometimes that also happens in other areas of our life, not just financial, but where the same amount of courage or the same amount of faith or the same amount of effort doesn't seem to be able to get us to the same result as before. I used to get up and I spend like, oh, 15 minutes in prayer. I read the word a little bit. Man, I was fired up. I'm ready for the day. But you can go through another season of life where you get up and you spend that same 15 minutes in some prayer time and, 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 and reading the word and stuff, and you walk out and the whole day you're still shot. You're still, under, you're still under depression, discouragement. You're still feeling heavy. Why? Because even that time of investment, right, that 15 minutes that used to do so much, 
Now it seems to do less because you're going through a harder season, right? Your problems have inflated, and the value of the time that you're putting in seems to have shrunk, okay? And so what do you do in the money sense when that happens? Well, you go out and try to make more money, right? Okay, spiritually speaking, what, what maybe should happen? Go put a little bit more time in to fill the bank up a little bit more, right? Well, God's not with me because it doesn't work the same. No, maybe it's just a little bit more time, but that's not even what I'm preaching on, but Think about that. In life, let's go to the next definition. In life, here's another definition for inflation. The action of inflating something or the condition of being inflated. Not economics, but in life with, with objects. Think of like a balloon or a tire, right? There's an actual act where you make the choice to take something that was smaller and then to do what? To make it bigger, Okay, you're causing the increase. You're doing it. You're growing it. You're saying, I'm going to inflate this and make it bigger. Okay, do we ever do that? You ever had a problem going on in your life, an offense, and with just the right amount of blowing on it, just the right amount of like pushing on it, just the right amount of like energy going into it, it just seems that little offense just seems to do what? Get a little bigger, right? It seems to grow a little more. Seemed to be a little bit bigger of a problem. It wasn't that big of a problem before, but it's grown into a bigger problem. We can choose to inflate things in our life that maybe didn't need to be that big, but they got that big. Okay, if, you've got, if, you're, if you're a teen and you've got parents, okay, you know that, in parent, that parents inflate a lot of things that just don't need to be that big a deal. Right? I mean, come on. Really? Am I really going to need that Algebra 2 as an adult? Why are we worried about me failing that class? I mean, we're kind of inflating that a little bit much, right? You can inflate something a little bit too big and put it out of proportion. But here's another way of looking at inflation, and that's from a spiritual sense. It's the resulting condition of our heart's inflation, this growth in our hearts. It's this resulting condition based on where we focus our belief. What are you inflating in your heart? Because anything that you meditate on, anything that you think about, anything that's in your heart can be inflated. It can be grown in your emotions and how you respond to it and the position it has in your life. It can do all these things. And so you can focus on faith. You can focus on fear, your problem. Or you can focus on the promise of God. You can focus on poverty. I don't have any money. I don't have enough for this. Or you can focus on the fact that the Bible says that God will supply all your needs. That Jesus said you don't have to worry about what you'll eat or drink or what you'll wear because I'll take care of you. You can focus on the promise or you can focus on the problem. You can focus on what you're missing or you can focus on what you have. Right? There's a choice. There's always a choice of what you're going to focus on and what you're going to inflate. What you're going to do. Bitterness or forgiveness. I'm focusing on the power of this offense, the power of this bitterness, or I'm focusing on the power of the cross, on the power of Christ to forgive in my life and to allow me to forgive in other people's lives and to move forward from whatever the offense was and whatever the hurt was that I've gone through. Here's an example of it in the Bible, Numbers 13.33. The Israelites are spying out the land, the promised land. They're trying to figure out where are we going to go? How are we going to get in there? This is the promise of God. And when they look over the hedge and they peak and the spies go in, they come back and this is what they say. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. They come from the Nephilim and we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. 
is that they looked at the opposition, the problem, the enemy, and they inflated the power and the size of the enemy to be bigger than what? Well, in this verse, bigger than themselves because we were like grasshoppers. But it goes deeper than that because who is on their side? Who's working with them? Who's their leader? God, so they inflated them to be larger than their own God, to be more powerful, to have more strength, to be more intimidating, to be more victorious, to be, and they look, so do we ever do that in our lives? Let's take inflation for an example, the economic inflation. Gas is up, food is up. Anybody have their rent raised in the last year? Rent is up. Car insurance is down, thank God. Our car insurance is what we used to pay for rent. That's a fact. It's actually 200, almost $200 more than we paid for rent when we first got married, our car insurance. That's inflation. But tell me this. Is inflation bigger, no matter what the price of gas is, what the price of rent is, what the price of eggs are, is that bigger than God's promise that he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Is it? Because if it is, I will make a recommendation. Leave the faith. Leave it. You don't serve a God that's bigger than a chicken and an egg. It's probably time to find a new faith. That's true. If you don't serve a God that you believe when Jesus himself said, do not worry about tomorrow, it has enough trouble of its own, Today has enough trouble of its own. Don't worry about what you eat or what you drink. Don't worry about what you wear. The flowers are clothed. The birds are taken care of. I, God, will take care of you. If you don't believe that, why are you here? Why do you serve him? If he does not have the power or the ability to honor his own word, leave. If you were in a relationship with someone else, and that person was not a person of their word, how long would you stay in that relationship? If you had a business partner, and every time that you had a conversation, they said, this is my word, and then you come back, and they didn't honor their word, and you got to a point where you're like, I don't know if they'll ever honor, I don't know if I can trust them to honor their word. Would you stay in business with them? Anyone? If you're in a marriage, the ultimate covenant, and that person that you're married to constantly doesn't keep their word, they don't keep their covenant. They don't keep their faithfulness. They don't keep their purity to you. They don't keep, they never ever keep their word. Are you going to stay there? So why would we stay in a relationship with God if his character is not good enough to keep his word? We really, it's really a thought to think on. Because if we're staying, then we're saying, I believe that he keeps his word. And if we believe he keeps his word, then why wrestle with the pain and the suffering of worry and anxiety every day? Because we already know he takes care of us. I've done finance coaching. I've done business coaching. I've done pastoring. And believe me, sometimes it makes no sense. Because I'll look at somebody, I'm like, God, stop taking care of them. <laughs> They're knuckleheads. Why do they still have a home? Like, they got to stop. they got to get a hold of themselves. And God's like, I'm taking care of them. There's so much more that they could have. There's so much more I would take them into. 
and they're not responsible, they're not moving forward, they haven't been faithful with a little, so I won't give them much. But I, not me, God, I have given my word to care for them, and I'm good for my word. The Bible says even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Because why? Because he can't deny himself. That's what it says. He can't deny his own word. It is who he is. And so there's some things that we wrestle with on a daily basis, worries and anxieties and fears, regrets, old things that we did that we have asked forgiveness for, that God has forgiven us for, that we've gone to a brother and sister in Christ or we've gone to a family member or whoever and they've forgiven us. And God said, I forgave you. I remember it no more. It's as far as the east is from the west. It's gone. And yet we wake up each day and we say, oh, I still feel bad about that. I still, and God's like, about what? Well, you remember that thing. Well, I didn't until you just reminded me. (laughs) We go through this process again. But if we can believe him, For salvation, we can believe him for his whole word. That's what we're doing in faith. We're saying, God, your word is true. I believe it. And if we believe it, then we would take action on living that way. Lord, I'm going to follow through with this because I believe you. Well, in this case, these guys, they believed that God was for them. They believed that God was leading them out of slavery. They believed God was taking them to the promised land. But then when they got there and looked in, they go, well, we must be wrong. Because these guys are really tough. And so they inflated the enemy and they reduced the size of their focus and their faith in God. And we can do that all the time in different areas of life. And so that's really what we're going to focus on. 1 Samuel 17, 43 to 46. The Philistines cursed David by his gods. This is Goliath, the big giant Goliath. And he's out there intimidating the whole army. So David comes out, and he's coming out in the name of the Lord. He's coming out with faith. He's coming out with his faith in God inflated where the Israelite armies had inflated Goliath to be so big that he was bigger than God's power. Just a guy, like a nine, ten-foot-tall guy. And they're like, oh, he's better than our God. Then why do you even serve your God? Your God that created the whole heavens, the whole earth, all the stars, all this stuff, he can't beat a nine-foot dude? It's not even logical. But that's his whole army was that way. Everyone was afraid. So David comes out, he has faith in God, but his inflation, his focus, his magnification was on God, on God's power, on God's promise, on God's ability. He says, a Philistine cursed David by his gods. He said, come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. He's trying to intimidate him. I'm gonna do this to you. And David's answer he says, you come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. Not just in the name of the Lord, but in the name of the Lord what? The Lord Almighty. He put his eyes and his focus on the Lord and said, he is bigger. He is mightier. He is almighty. He's mighty than every, all the mighties. That's what he is, Almighty. The little mighties, the medium mighties, the big mighties, the super mighties. Like, he's all the mighties. And that's who I'm coming with. I'm coming in this power. I'm not coming in the power of that person's offense, and I can never overcome that. I can never get forgiveness. God's mightier than their offense against you. God can bring healing and restoration. 
I don't know if he's mightier than my addiction. Guess what? God is mightier than your addiction. God can help you to get free from that addiction, from your depression, from your worry, from your anxiety, from inflation, from all the things. He's able because he's almighty. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, and he says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down. And then do what? And cut off your head. What a loving God. What a wonderful, loving God. God loves us, but you know what? God has vengeance against the enemies that try to come against his purpose. God is powerful and mighty. And when worry, anxiety, stressors, poverty, things come at you, depression, we can actually choose to put our inflation on those things and say, these are so big, there's no way God could help me. Or we can do what David did and actually speak to those circumstances, those situations. You might come against me with increased egg prices. But I come in the name of the Lord Almighty, who will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And we're going to speak to our problem about the power of our God and to overcome. And it has real life impact. This next slide, two down, one to go. We celebrated this yesterday. How amazing is this? This is, this is what happens. I'm going to share a little bit of this story. Uh, not too much detail, but a little bit of this story. Uh, so the Darugis are in the midst of doing something really simple and really easy. Uh, everyone should do it. Darugis are doing it. Everyone should do it. Um, adopting three kids under the age of three. Um, having had no kids before that. <laughs> and so I remember when they first started to take him in as fosters, uh, Mandela said, uh, he showed up at men's Bible study on Saturday driving a van. And he's like, yeah, we decided to take him in because I realized my car doesn't have enough seats. Like I had to go swap it out. So he had to like, they're so, like this is so new. He's like, one, two, three, four, five. Oh, shoot. I got to go to the dealership. I'm supposed to pick my kids up at 4 o'clock, and I can't fit anybody in the car. But they felt God put this on their heart, and there's some beautiful, amazing uh, stories of how God did that and brought it into the being three kids and put that on their heart. But here's the thing. Once it was on their heart that this is what God wants us to do, did it get easier or did it get harder? Thinking about the dream and the vision of what God wants you to do is pretty exciting. Doing the thing is hard. Believe me, it was probably exciting for David to think, man, I'm coming out of this sheep field, and I'm going to go knock that giant out, man, that big giant that everybody else is afraid of, and I'm going to show, and I'm going to be famous. I'm going to go viral. And he shows up, and he looks, and he's like, oh, shoot. This is going to be hard. And so that is the process, vision, and then challenge. It's difficult. And then you can inflate the challenge. And I know when they were going through this, it's been, what, about a year? It's been longer than that? About a year? A little over a year to get to this first, like, legal adoption of the two. And there's one more on the way. That's why it's two down, one to go. The other one's still in process. But all along that way, there was times where it was excitement and it's this unified vision, and there's times where it was complete terror. 
Like, look how much money this is going to cost. And look how much, how are we going to do this? And then what happens when they all need to go to college? Right? And you can start to inflate all of the challenges to where it becomes an impossibility. There is no way we could do that. We can barely take care of ourselves. Maybe we could take on one and barely take care of them, but we could have made, I don't think we could do two. There is no way that we could take on three. And even if we figured out the money, like we don't know how to, we don't know how to just even take care of one. We got a diaper here and then a diaper there and then a diaper there and then we're back to this diaper. We just need a full-time diaper circulator that just sits there and just rotates them. How do we even do this? We're trying to put one to bed and the other one gets up. Kira woke me up this morning at 3 a.m. Gets into bed, pulls her covers. I tried to put cover on her. She goes, I got my own covers. I'm like, all right, my own covers. Brought her own covers to bed. Took her about 10 minutes to get them situated on herself. By then I'm fully wide awake. I lay my head back down. I try to go to sleep. She says, guess what? Rub my belly, Dad. I'm not rubbing your belly in the middle of the night. Rub my belly, Dad. I'm like, go to sleep. Pet my belly. I'm not petting your belly. I'm not rubbing your belly. Go to sleep. She likes to have her head like rubbed when she falls asleep or her back rubbed when she falls asleep. And some, I guess in the middle of the night, I need my belly rubbed so I can go to sleep. I'm like, no, good night. Guess what? After a while, I'm like, fine. Rub, 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 rub. Are you done? Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Put her to sleep. That's one kid. I don't need three boys under three rolling in at three in the morning. I want to know if I want to wrestle. Come on, wrestle me, Dad. No, we're sleeping. Come on, wrestle me. I mean, the challenge is once you accept the vision, the challenge is to actually walk through that, start to magnify and start to become difficult and challenging. And then they can start to create division. They can start to create disagreement. They can start to create all kinds of problems and challenges on how we're going to deal with that. And they had to walk through all those steps together. How are we going to do this? Are we going to do this? Should we do this? What did we commit to? Oh my gosh, is it too late to start to get out? Oh no, we're in. Okay, what are we going to do? This whole process in order to get there. And how do you get there? I know from walking through some of it with them is switching our eyes off of the problem and switching the eyes onto the promise. And believing God and saying, do you know what? If God's called us to do it, God can provide for us to do it. If God's called us to do it, he can give us the support we need to do it. If God's called us to do it, he can give us the knowledge and the strength and the patience and the grace to do this. Like God will be with us and had a switch off because as long as the mindset was on, can we do it? Guess what the answer was? No. David didn't say, I come against you because I'm a really good slingshot guy. He said, because I come with the Lord Almighty. And when you switch your mind from what I can do and you begin to inflate the power of God in your life and what he can do, you know, I don't know how I'm going to provide for my family. I don't know. I'm a pastor. I don't know how. I can't just get a raise every time they raise the price of something. We don't have the money to do that as a church. How am I going to, how am I going to keep raising prices? What am I going to do? You know what? If I sit and think about that all the time, I get real stressed out myself. But I wake up every day and say, you know what, Lord? You are my provider. Lord, you take care of me. Lord, you said that the righteous never go begging begging for bread. God, you take care of the widow. You take care of the sparrow. You take care of the flowers. Lord, you take care of me. And I don't need to worry. I'm going to get them figured out. I'm going to take my next step. I'm going to believe you. 
And as we do that, God provides and he takes care of us and he restores and he heals and he doesn't and allows us to live free. If we take God at his word and we believe he has character, which was a, should be a prerequisite to even being a Christian. You should already settle on whether or not God's good with his word or not. And then we live accordingly and we walk in faith. And we believe that he can do it. And the Darugis have done that. And they've got two, they've got one more to go. And it's been a beautiful thing to watch. And I watched two of those boys come in. We did a, a party over here yesterday. And we had the two coming in that were adopted. There's one more still waiting. The two that are coming in to get adopted. And as we were all waiting, so we we're going to surprise, open the door and blow our little kazoos. And everybody's going to act crazy and do a surprise birthday thing for them or like an adoption day thing. So they come in. The one that hasn't been adopted yet, he's standing in there because he's not coming in with the train because he's inside with the party getting ready to welcome them in. He's little. And he's standing there and he just keeps telling everybody, that's my daddy. That's my daddy. Why? Because you know what? It's not just about their ability and it's not even just about God's ability. It's even more than that because God could use his ability to do anything. But God wants to use his ability to restore lives and to make families and to love people and to bring restoration and to give fathers to the fatherless and to give mothers to the motherless and to help people. That's what God wants to do with his ability. And so when they align themselves with that, now you got a kid who's like, man, that's my daddy. Because God isn't just putting something together on legal documents. God's putting something together in their hearts and in their family, and he's creating something. The Bible says that he sets the solitary into families. You're watching God's miraculous work happening. That's beautiful. It's an amazing miracle that God's doing, but that comes through fixing our eyes on the Lord and not on other things. So this sign right here, who knows what, that, what this uh, graphic is? Go to the next one. I'm going to show you my skills. Um, Justin Kaczynski's out of town, so I'm doing my own auto stuff today. <clears throat> I took this off of uh, Penny's car. I just, just joke, just kidding, just kidding. I would never, I would never do that. I know, it's hard for me to get there and get back in time. <laughs> so this is, a, this is a tire. Okay, what does that sign mean right there? Low pressure. Needs inflation. Get air, right? Okay, what does it not mean? I, don't keep going like you are? Okay, what else does it not mean? It doesn't mean you're okay? No, what does it not mean? What does it not mean? Okay, I'm going to help you. This is what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean imminent death. It doesn't mean get out of the car and run. It doesn't mean freak out and park. It doesn't mean that we're not going to make it, abandon the trip. Right? What does it mean? It just means real simple. Pay attention. Tires low. Get air. Pretty easy, right? There's warning signs in our own lives that happen, that pop up, that let us know that we're getting low on inflation, that our magnification of God, our glory to God, our faith and trust in God, that those things are getting low. And what are those, anybody want to guess? What do you think those signs are? Anger, anxiety, worry, Right? These little things pop up and they're little signs. And do you know what they mean? They mean the same thing. They mean you're low. 
Your faith is low. Your trust in God's low. Your belief in his character is low. Your understanding of his word is low. You're leaning too much on yourself. You're not on, the, on his word. What it doesn't mean when we have worry or anxiety or a little bit of stress is, oh my gosh, abandoned trip. We're all going to die. God's not with us. It's all terrible. There's no way we're going to make it. It doesn't mean that. Sometimes we think that it means that, but imagine if you came over to me and we were on a drive and all of a sudden I just swerve off the road, slam on the brakes, throw, on the, throw off the keys, I jump out and start running. Panic. And you finally call me down. You're like, what's happening? My tires are low. <laughs> You'd be like, and? Tires are low. Let's go put some air in it. Right? Like, calm down. Let's put some air in it, and then let's drive to a doctor and get you some medication. <laughs> right? Okay, so when things in our life start to give indications that some things are low, maybe practical physical things, maybe our bank account, we've been trying to be good stewards, we've been trying to work hard, we've been trying to be diligent, we're trying to do all the things, but our bank account's getting low. And all of a sudden it's like, ooh, do you know what? That's low. Is that a sign that you're going to go bankrupt, lose your house, you're going to be out on the street, abandoned trip? Get out of the car and run, freak out, hide under the blankets, get depressed, whatever the case might be. No, it's just a sign that provision's low. And what would you do if someone was providing things and had promised things like in the, in the Bible in Proverbs, it says the hand of the diligent will rule, right? The Bible talks about all these things. If, if I know my provision's getting low, but I know there's a provider that shall supply all my needs according to the riches and glory, and I'm doing the things, I'm being wise, I'm working on things, I'm, I'm being diligent, I'm low, what would you do? And there's a provider. I would go back to the provider, and I would say, I'm doing all the stuff, and I need, I need more. And I trust you to take care of me. Do you know who's often really amazing with this? I see in the church, single moms. Because a lot of times, they are up against it. But they have learned God supplies my need. And they've learned to just trust the Lord. And this will blow your mind, but we're giving out uh, giving statements and stuff for tax purposes and stuff. Do you know some of the biggest givers in our church by far are single moms? It's shocking. It is shocking. Some of the biggest givers are single moms. And I'm not talking like single moms because now they're poor and broke and they have nothing and all they're giving all their stuff away. They give, and what happens when we give is it breaks fear and anxiety and worry. And guess how you are more successful? What, guess what mindset you're more successful with? Fear, anxiety, and worry or confidence and peace? Confidence and peace. You make better decisions. You get better promotions. You make everything works better. They break it and they walk in peace and they walk in confidence and they walk in trust to make better decisions. God provides, God takes care of. It's amazing to watch what God does. But it's not just a giving thing. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is this inflating of God's ability and his promise in your life. 
in whatever area that you may feel low, that we trust God and we go to that. John 10.10 says it this way. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Right? That's the devil. But God comes to do what? Jesus specifically said, I come to do what? To give you life and to give it to you scarcely and by a shoestring, just a thread. Is that what he said? To give it to you more abundantly. More abundant joy, more abundant peace, more abundant ability to forgive, more abundant grace. In fact, peace, it says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says that he gives peace that actually surpasses understanding. And not only does he give you peace that surpasses understanding, but it's an active peace because it's not just a peace that comes in and resides, but the Bible says it's a peace that guards your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. It's literally peace on patrol. It's guarding you. As you pray and you talk to the Lord and you give thanks and you give him your needs and then you begin to give him thanks, what's the giving thanks part? Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing but by everything with prayer and supplication. So you're praying it, you're pouring out the emotion and, the, and it's what the situation is. With thanksgiving, what is thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is magnifying the other person. That's what you do when you thank someone. Thank you. This is amazing. You're a blessing to me. I appreciate you doing that. Thank you for your counsel. Thank you for your help. Thank you for the meal. You're a great cook. Thanks magnifies, inflates, it lifts up the other person. So the Bible's kind of recipe is that we pray out the situation and then we give thanks. We begin to magnify God. And when that happens, when we do that, when we're faithful to our part, it says that the peace of God that surpasses understanding, somebody says, why are you so peaceful? Why are you so peaceful? You got three kids under three. That can't be peaceful. How are you even doing that? I have no idea. I don't understand it myself. But there's just a joy and a peace. And that that peace actually then begins to guard our heart and watch over it and keep anxieties and frustrations. Why? Because we're magnifying God, his ability in our life. Psalms 34. Well, and I'll just say before I flip to that, that John 10.10, 10, is there's a choice on what we inflate? Because a thief comes to steal, but God comes to bring abundance. How I, that's why I put up here, choose wisely. Do you want to focus on the enemy? Do you want to focus on the lies of the devil? Do you want to focus on the worries and anxieties and stresses of that that are contrary to God's character, contrary to God's promises, contrary to what the word says, and put your focus on there and blow and magnify that up because it will steal and kill and destroy your joy, your peace, your relationships, your sanity? Or do you want to focus on and magnify the Lord so that he can bring that abundance into your heart and into your mind? Because if you do that, it doesn't matter the season. It doesn't matter what you're going through. God can bring a sense of peace and a sense of prosperity of person and of spirit into your life in any season that you're going through. He can be there. Psalms 34 and Psalms 103. I'm not going to read the whole things. I'm just going to just touch on them. Psalms 34, though, this is David. And here's the interesting thing. This is of David when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech. So here's the situation. David is trying to run from his life, run for his life from Saul. And so he runs to Abimelech. Who's Abimelech? Abimelech is the king of the Philistines where David had killed Goliath. He runs to the enemy where he had killed Goliath to find safety. And they say, well, what's happening here? And then when he realizes, okay, I'm probably going to be in trouble here, he starts acting totally insane. 
starts drooling all over himself. He starts acting crazy. And the king's like, why are you bothering me with a crazy person? Just push him outside. Because if he had still acted strong or like a warrior or anything, he would have ended up being, you know, probably taken in and killed. He's like, I'm just totally insane. I'm out there. Look at him. He's a fool now. Just let him wander. And they pushed him out. But he's in that state. Like his life is so chaotic and so troubled. He's just trying to survive. And then he writes this. Because even though every other, literally every other indicator in his life was a thing flashing, like you're going to lose, you're going to lose, you're never going to become the king, you're never going to be honored by God, God's not going to come through with his word, his promises aren't true, you are, your anointing doesn't matter, all this stuff's going to waste, even though all that's happening, this is what David says, I will extol the Lord at all times, extol is to exalt, it's to lift up, it's to magnify, it's to inflate, to put your focus on, to build up. It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. If you track, if you just kept a recorder in your pocket, how often is the praise and the thankfulness and the belief and the provision and the blessing and the covering and the healing of God on your lips more than confessions of prices, inflations, politics, physical ailments, Whatever. If one is out of ratio to the other, it just tells you which one you're inflating in your own life. And nobody can change that but you. God's faithful to his word. God's faithful to his character. But the only way to align yourself with that is for you to start actually saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to start confessing and believing. The Bible says that we eat by the fruit of our lips. Our life starts to become what we're saying all the time because it's lining up our faith and our confession with who God is. And so we need to be able to do that. But this is David in his worst time, in his worst situation. He does that. And then in the other one's the same thing. He goes into talking about all of that. He talks about, I will exalt the Lord at all times. I will exalt the Lord. I will extol the Lord. I will lift the Lord up. Read Psalms 34 and Psalms 103. He went, they're both long psalms, and they are filled with him talking about, I'll praise God. He delivers the oppressed. He takes care of the poor. He comes to rescue for those that are in need. David's confessing things that he's not actually living yet. Because he's still running for his life. But he's not letting the circumstance become bigger than God. And that's what faith is about. Romans 4, 18 to 21, Abraham did the same thing. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as he had been told. Now check this out. He was told, so shall all of your offspring be. But without weakening his faith, he acknowledged the decrepitness of his body since he was about 100 years old. Faith is not a denial of reality. Abraham looked at his body. You could look at inflation. You could look at your bank account. You could look at your broken relationship. You could look at your addiction. You can look at your depression. You say, I'm actually literally struggling through this. But Abraham looked at it he acknowledged, this is what I see, this is what I am, what I'm going through. And the lifelessness of Sarah's womb says, but he did not waver through disbelief in the promise of God. Because his faith was never in himself. It was always in God. So has your faith for provision... Has your faith for whatever area of life, has it been that there's a good economy, that you have a good job, that you're a great budgeter, that you're a great this or that? Has that been where all the faith is at? Because if so, then when economy changes, job changes, something goes on, all of a sudden everything's chaos and fear. 
But if your faith has been in God, the provider, the one who leads you, guides you, cares for you, takes care of you, rewards your diligence, that he's the blesser, then whatever the circumstances, God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm still following that. And so God works through Abraham. It says that he was strengthened in his faith and he gave glory to God. What is that? Magnified God. He inflated God. He built God up. He gave him glory. God's amazing. God's awesome. God's wonderful. God is able. His promise is true. Instead of focusing on what was the problem, he focused on who God was and he gave God glory and it built it up. Maybe you have a broken relationship. Maybe you have a, a bad marriage. Maybe you have a kid that's, that's astray or something's going wrong. Maybe you have a, a tendency in your own life. You're dealing with anger or addiction or something. You're like, there's a switch where you move over and you say, Lord, I acknowledge that I got this anger problem. But you are the Prince of Peace, and you can bring peace to my mind. You can bring peace to my heart. You can help work in me, as the word says, to both will and to do according to your good pleasure. And you begin to think on and meditate on and focus on and expand and lift up and build up God's ability, not just your own ability. And then the fruit begins to happen. Faith is not the denial of reality. It's the acceptance of a greater one. That's what faith is about. This is a reality, but the greater reality is the promise of God. The reality is I'm standing at the Red Sea. The greater reality is that God's able to part it. Okay? The truth is that Lazarus is dead. That's reality. The greater reality is that Jesus can raise him from the dead. Right? The reality is that Jesus is in a tomb. The greater reality is that he's getting up on Sunday. He's coming back. And that is what faith is about. It's constantly focusing our eye and our mind on that. We're in anxiety. Now, I'm getting close to ending here. We're, Worry and anxiety are the sins of inflating self and circumstances above God's character. Well, it's not sin. I'm just worrying. What is sin? Missing the mark. It's what it is. Disobedience. It's missing the mark. It's doing something opposite of what God's plan and God's will is. What did Jesus say? I mean, I can go all through Scripture, but let's just go to Jesus because he's the main guy, right? Do not what? Don't worry. About what? Anything. Do not worry about anything. Jesus himself is saying it. Therefore, if I'm giving myself over to worry, anxiety, and stress, guess what I'm doing? I'm missing the mark that he set. What is sin? By definition, is missing the mark. I'm being disobedient? I know, but it's just my it's just it's just what I'm it's how I'm wired. Well, God wired you. God knows you. He's the one that brings peace that surpasses understanding. Do you think that he would ask you and, and, and actually command you not to worry if he didn't think that you, he could be with you to do it? But I can't. You're right. But with his power, you can. I come against you with the almighty God. It's not in my strength, but with his strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. And so we begin to rely on God and say, God, my worry, anxiety, whatever's going on, it's not lining up with your command not to worry. So I am in sin, and I'm going to deal with it for what it is. I'm a sinner. And I need your help to stop doing this because I don't know how to do it. And we allow God to do that in our lives. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. My eyes say this isn't going to work. My eyes are saying I'm in trouble. My eyes are saying God's not going to come through. 
Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. We talked about this a couple months ago. Fear is awe. Be in awe of the Lord, which is what? Magnify the Lord. Trust the Lord. Put your eyes on the Lord. Fear him. Be in awe of him. Magnify him. And turn away from evil, which is magnifying ourselves. Magnifying our circumstance or situation above God. This will bring healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. If you're weary, if you're tired, if you're worn, if you're dry, you're like, I need healing in my body, in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit. Guess what? Put your awe and your magnification on God instead of on self or circumstance. And healing will start to come into your body, into your mind, into your spirit. And that's available to every person, regardless of income status, marital status, any other situation going on in your life. Your God, let's bow our heads. I just want you to take a, a minute. Um, we actually missed our prayer huddles today, but take a minute with your heads down and just, I want you just to yourself talk to God and just ask him, Lord, is there an area that I'm magnifying right now in my life above you? that I've made bigger than you, that I've made bigger than your word, I've made it bigger than your character, and I've in some way made this larger than you. And if it is, if it is now bigger than God, talk about it more, think about it more, stress about it more, worry about it more, then just give it back to him. And begin to confess with your own mouth, with your own words, God, you're bigger than that. Lord, you're mightier than that. Lord, you're a greater forgiver than that offense. Lord, you're a greater provider than my temporary poverty. Lord, you bring more peace than my anger. Lord, you're a greater healer than my body's illness. Whatever it is, magnify the Lord in your situation. I'm going to dismiss, but I don't want you to stop yet. I'm ending, but I want you to, this music's going to keep playing. I just want you to stay there until you have had that conversation with God. Because if you had that conversation and you feel, man, I'm at peace with that conversation right now in that situation, then get up and make your way out. We have snacks and stuff down the hallway. And go down there, make some friends and get loved on or go encourage someone and love on them. And if you're new here, I'd love to meet you and talk to you. Come up here, and I'd love to get to know you and just say hi to you. Um, but everybody else, as you feel that you've made that conversation, you've completed that conversation, feel free to just, just head out. Anybody else, you're welcome to stay as long as you need to have to have that conversation. Thanks, you guys, for being here. I love you guys. pray that brings you guys closer to the Lord, for sure, and magnifies him in your day, in your week. Amen. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.